Section 17 of the Letters of a Post-Impressionist. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elizabeth Solog. The Letters of a Post-Impressionist by Vincent Van Gogh. Translated by Anthony Mario Ludovici. Section 17. More Letters to His Brother, Part 3. At the present moment I am holding an exhibition, for I have taken all my studies off their stretchers and nailed them on the wall to dry. You will see that once I am in possession of a whole number of them, and a selection is made from them, it will come to the same thing as if I had lavished more work and study upon them. For whether one paint the same subject again and again on the same canvas, or on several canvases, does not make any difference to the seriousness of the work. So our uncle is dead. Our sister wrote me the news this morning. They seem to have expected you at the funeral, so probably you were there. Life is short and vanishes like smoke, but that is no reason for despising the living and we are right, after all, to think more of the artists than of the pictures. M. K. returned here yesterday, and liked my pictures of the little girl and my garden, but I do not know whether he has any money. I am now busy painting a postman in a blue uniform with gold trimmings. He is a fanatical Republican like old T., and much more interesting than most people are. If it were possible to call R.'s attention to it, he might perhaps take the picture by G. which you bought. And if there is no other way of helping G., what shall we do? I will say to him, R., look here, our picture pleases you very much just as it is, and I believe we shall see even better work by this painter. Why do you not do as we do? We believe in the man as he stands, and like everything he does. And then I will add that, if it has to be, we shall naturally let him have the large picture, but that as G is sure to be constantly in need of money, it would not be right for us in his interests to keep back the picture until his prices had risen three or fourfold, which they are certain to do sooner or later. If R, then, makes a plain and definite offer, we shall be able to consider it and G might say that although he had let you, his friend, have the picture at a certain price, he would not think of letting an art lover have it for the same sum. But let us first wait to hear what he will say. The change that I am trying to introduce into my work is to attach more importance to the figure. In painting this is really the only thing which moves me to the depths, and which gives me a more vivid idea of infinity than anything else. Today I shall write to our sister how sad they must be. As she herself says, as soon as a man has left us, we can remember only his happy moments and his good points. And yet, the most important thing would be to see these things while he is living. It would be so simple, and would so enlighten us concerning the cruelties of life, which surprise us now and make our hearts so sore. If life had another invisible half, on which one landed when one died, 
we should then give those who started on this solemn and interesting journey our best wishes and our most hearty sympathy on the road thither i have just dispatched the large drawings the upright of the small peasant garden seems to me the best the garden with the sunflowers belongs to a bathing establishment as to the third garden which is landscape shape i have also made oil sketches of it the orange-coloured yellow patches of flowers grow exceedingly brilliant under the blue sky and everything is bathed in a happier and more loving atmosphere than in the north it vibrates like your bunch of flowers by monticelli although i have done about one hundred and fifty drawings and oil sketches i feel as if i had done absolutely nothing i would readily content myself with being a precursor of the painters of the future who will paint here in the south there are a number of fine lithographs to be seen daumier reproductions of delacroix de camp diaz rousseau dupre etc soon however this will cease and what a pity it is that this art is about to disappear why do we not stick to what we have once discovered in our art as the doctors and the engineers do with them when anything is discovered the knowledge of it is carefully preserved but in the wretched fine arts everything is forgotten we hold fast to nothing millet created the synthesis of the peasant and now oh of course there are lermite and perhaps one or two others as well meunier for instance but have painters really learnt to see a peasant in the proper way not at all scarcely one of them is capable of such a thing and does not the fault lie a little with the parisians who are changeable and deceptive as the sea you are quite right in saying that we must go our own way quite unconcerned and work for ourselves do you know that even if impressionism were sacrosanct at times i should nevertheless like to be able to paint things which the former generation delacroix millet rousseau diaz monticelli isabey de camp dupre ziem jeankind israels mauve and a host of others corot and jacques would be able to understand manet and courbet got very near to treating colour and form together as equal in importance i should like to prepare myself for ten years by means of studies for the task of painting one or two figure pictures the old and eternal plan so very often recommended and so seldom carried out the small upright of the peasant garden as i saw it in nature is glorious in colour the dahlias are a deep and severe purple and on one side there is double row of flowers which is a mass of pink and green and on the other there is a mass of orange with scarcely any green in the centre there is a low white dahlia and a small pomegranate tree with greenish yellow fruit and blossom of an ardent orange-red colour the ground is grey the tall reeds are blue-green the trees viridian the sky blue the house is white with green window frames and red roofs 
That is how it looks in the morning in full sunlight. At evening it is all immersed in the deep shadows cast by the fig trees and the tall reeds. That is the whole thing. To seize all these beauties, a whole school of artists would be necessary, who would work together and complete one another in the same country, like the old Dutchmen, portrait painters, painters of genre pictures, landscapists, animal painters, painters of still life, etc. I have now received the two portraits. In B's portrait of himself, a portrait of G hangs on the wall, and in G's portrait of himself, there is a portrait of B in the background. At first, one can only see G, but B's picture appeals to me very much indeed, too. It is only a painter's idea, only a few summary tones and a few black lines, but it is as chic as a genuine Manet. The G shows more study and is more carefully carried out, and that is exactly what makes one feel as if it were the representation of a captive. It shows no trace of good cheer, no particle of flesh, but all this may be ascribed simply to his intention, which was to produce something melancholy. Those parts of the skin, which are in shadow, are a somber blue. Now at last I have the opportunity of comparing my painting with my friend's. There is no question that my portrait, which I am sending to G in exchange for his, holds its place quite well beside the latter. I wrote to G that if I might be allowed to lend unmerited importance to my personality in a picture, I had tried to paint, not exactly myself, but the portrait of an impressionist, and had therefore conceived this picture as that of a bronze and abject adoration before his great Buddha. And when I place my conceptions and G's side by side, I find mine just as serious as his, but not so full of despair. And G's portrait seems to say to me, This must go on no longer. He must grow contented again. He must become the old G of yore, who meanwhile has grown richer through the South and the Negresses. I am extremely glad that I have the portraits of our friends at this period. They will not remain as they are. In time, they will have a cloudless life, and I feel plainly that it is my duty to do everything in order to reduce our poverty. Poverty is impossible in our profession. I feel that he is more like Millet than I am, and I am more like Diaz than he is. And like Diaz, I will try to please the public in order to help him. My work has cost more than theirs, but I do not mind this now that I have seen their painting. They worked amid too much poverty to have success. For believe me, I have better and more saleable work than that which I sent to you, and I feel that I am capable of even better things. I feel quite confident that there are many people to whom the poetical subjects in particular will appeal. The starry sky, the vine branch, the furrows, the poet's garden. For I consider it our duty, yours as well as mine, to aim at comparative wealth, as we shall have great artists to provide for. If you have Gauguin, you can be as happy as Censier. He will be so pleased with the house as a studio that he will even want to rule and manage it. 
has sent me a collection of ten drawings. You will soon see all these things, but I shall keep the portraits by me and enjoy them for a little while longer before I send them to you. Some day you will probably see the portrait of myself which I sent to G, for I hope G will keep it. It looks quite ashen gray against a pale emerald green, not yellow, background. I am wearing the brown jacket with the blue edging. I intensified the brown to a purple, and I broadened the edging. The head is modeled entirely in light color, light on a light ground, almost free from shadows. But I have painted the eyes somewhat oblique, a la Japonaise. Letter from G who tells me that he has sent you a batch of pictures and studies. I should be very glad if you could find the time to write me a few details about them. With G's letter I also received a note from B, in which he confirms the receipt of my pictures, all seven of which they mean to keep. B is making me a present of one more study in exchange, and the three others, M, L, and another young painter, will, I hope, also send portraits. G has my portrait, and B writes that he would very much like to have one in the same style, although he already possesses one which I gave him in exchange for his portrait of his grandmother. And I was glad to hear that they were not displeased with my figure pictures. I have been, and still am, half dead, after my last week's work. I cannot do anything yet, but as it happens, a terrific north wind is blowing at present which whirls up clouds of dust and covers the trees from top to bottom in a coat of white. Willy-nilly, therefore, I am obliged to remain idle. So I have slept sixteen hours at a stretch. It has done me a tremendous amount of good, and tomorrow, thanks to this thorough rest, I shall be well again. But I have a good week behind me. Five canvases are no small matter. If one suffer a little for that sort of thing, it really is no wonder. If I had worked more slowly, however, the storm would only have interrupted me. When the weather is fine, one should take advantage of it. Otherwise, one can make no headway. What is Surat doing? If you see him, tell him that I have a scheme of decoration in view, which, as far as I can tell at present, will extend to fifteen pictures, and which, in order to be complete, will require another fifteen. Tell him also that I am encouraged in my labors upon this serious scheme by recollections, not only of his own good self, but also of the fine large pictures which I saw in his studio. We ought also to have a portrait of Surat by himself. I wrote to G., that when I suggested an exchange of portraits between us, I had naturally taken it for granted that he and B had made studies of each other, and that as this did not prove to be the case, and that he had painted one specially for me, I could not accept this picture in exchange, as I regarded it as too important a work of art for the purpose. Nevertheless, he replied that I absolutely must accept it in exchange, and his letter contained a host of compliments, which, as they were undeserved, I pass over. I am sending you an article about Provence, which, in my opinion, is well written. 
the Felib are a literary and artistic society composed of Clovis Hugh, Mistral, and others who write excellent sonnets in the Provencal dialect and in French. If ever the Felib deign to take any notice of me here, they will all come into my little house. But I should like this to occur only when I have finished my decorations. As I love Provence just as wholeheartedly as they do, I feel that I have some right to their consideration. If ever I avail myself of this right, it will be in order that my pictures may remain here or in Marseilles, where, as you know, I should like to work. For the artists of Marseilles would do well to continue the work begun by their fellow townsman, Monticelli. If G or I were to write an article for one of the local papers here, it would suffice to open up relations with them. I must tell you that I have made a very interesting expedition through various local farm properties in the company of someone who knows this part of the country very well. They are all small peasant holdings, a la Millet, translated into Provençal. M, K, and B cannot make head or tail of it all, and even though I am beginning to feel a little clearer in regard to it all, I should have to live here a jolly long time in order to be able to paint it. I often feel that the only possible way of carrying out our plan will be for me to set out on a journey, in case Gauguin does not succeed in escaping from the place. And then, after all, I should still remain with the peasants. I even believe that we should hold ourselves in readiness to go to him, for sooner or later he is sure to be in dire distress, if, for instance, his landlord refuses to allow him any more credit. This is more than probable, and then his need might be so great that our plans would have to be carried out with all possible dispatch. As far as I am concerned, the only expense would be my journey thither, for according to him, the cost of bare necessaries is much lower there than it is here. People are better off in this place than in the north, even when they are quite hard up, for the weather is always fine and the mistral itself makes no difference to it. That glorious sun, in the rays of which Voltaire used to bask while sipping coffee, continues to shine notwithstanding. In all directions one is reminded quite involuntarily of Zola and Voltaire. There is such an abundance of vital energy everywhere. It is like Jan Steen in Ostad's work. The conditions for the formation of a school of painting are certainly to be found here. You will reply, however, that nature is beautiful everywhere, if only one enters sufficiently deeply into her spirit. Have you read Madame Chrysanthem and made the acquaintance of Monsieur Kangaroo, that pander, so overwhelmingly obliging, with the sugared spices, the fried ices, and the salted sweet stuffs? I have seen a wooden figure of a woman in a peasant garden here, which came from the prow of a Spanish ship. It stood in the midst of a group of cypresses, and the whole effect was very like Monticelli. Oh, what a lot of poetry there is in these farm gardens, with their abundance of lovely red Provencal roses, these vineyards, these fig trees, and the perennially powerful sun, in spite of which 
the green of the vegetation remains so fresh there are also the reservoirs with their clear water running over the orchards through diminutive channels which constitute a regular canal system on a small scale and the old grey horse of la camargue which sets the machine in motion no cow is to be found in these farmyards my neighbor and his wife who are grocers are extraordinarily like the bouteau but in these parts the peasant holdings the inns and even the lowest cafes are less gloomy and less tragic looking than they are in the north for the heat makes poverty less cruel and less lugubrious i wish to heavens you had seen this country but our first concern must be to await developments in gauguin's quarter Gauguin responded to the call of his friend, and came to join him in his work in sunny and gay-colored Provence. A fit of insanity, however, seized Van Gogh, and broke up the companionship of the two artists. From that time onward, Van Gogh lived in an asylum, where, in his moments of lucidity, he was still able to paint beautiful pictures. Concerning the last days of his friend, Gauguin writes as follows. In his last letter from Auvers, near Pontoise, he said that he had always hoped that his health might so far improve as to permit him to paint with me in Brittany, but that he was then convinced that recovery was out of the question. My dear master, after having known you and grieved you, it is more dignified to die while I am fully conscious of what I am doing than to take leave of this world in a state which degrades me. He fired a bullet at himself, and a few hours later, while lying in bed smoking his pipe, with all his wits about him, full of passionate love for his art, and without any feelings of resentment towards humanity, he quietly passed away. End of section 17. Recording by Elizabeth Solog, Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. End of the Letters of a Post-Impressionist by Vincent Van Gogh. Translated by Anthony Mario Ludovici.